Okay, so obviously things are going to look a little different this morning, right? Not better, but just different. But the topic is still the same, right? We're still focused on relationships, right? And not just relationships, but what God says about those relationships. Um, I'm privileged enough to be a part of the Southland Small Group Bible Study, um, and we'll be calling those folks up here in a little bit. Um, if we could go, do we have the overview, overview slide? So what we've done, right, is... Uh, some of you may recognize this, but what we've done as a small group is we've looked at this book called Are We There Yet? And what it is, it's written by Pastor Paul Chapel and his wife, Terry, um, and it's on biblical principles. And you can see there, there's the book on the left and the little blue book to the right. That's a companion guide that are questions that the two go hand in hand that guide you through. And, and the, kind of an overview is that it takes you through and compares marriage to a travel experience, right? And it's not that it's a destination, right? Marriage isn't a destination, right? It's a lifelong journey that you leave, cleave, and weave with your spouse, right? And some of the topics, uh, you can see some chapters. We're not going to go through the book in detail, but essentially some of the high points in the chapter by chapter, they focus on, you know, destination, right? If you want to get to know someone, travel with them, right? Whether it's, you know, living with them for a little bit, <laughs> you know, staying in a hotel, do they snore, what do they like to eat, what do they watch on TV, you really get to know someone intimately when you travel together, right? Another chapter looked at expectations, ruining relationships, right? If we travel, some of us have looked at web pages, brochures, right? They look fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you guys were cheering me on. They were saying, get back in the picture. I'm like, this is great. This, man, this couldn't go any better. Praise the Lord. Look at that, right? They're like. You're small, and you got to get in the frame. Okay, thank you, and I apologize. So uh, I'm from Boston, so if I don't move, I don't talk. See, if I stand still, it's quiet. So, uh, yeah, expectations ruining relationships, right? You look at those brochures. They, everyone's smiling. The sun's shining. There's never a rainy day on those, right? And uh, one of the things, uh, I'll get to it later, but there's a good example of that. In foreign currency, that's a chapter, right? If you travel outside the United States, there's foreign currencies, right? Our U.S. dollar doesn't buy what maybe a peso buys. And what that is, it, it kind of showed the difference between a man's currency of respect and a woman's currency of love, and that if you're not exchanging that currency, it's not gonna do any good. It doesn't mean anything, right? And even if you do exchange it, you wanna spend it. Don't keep it in your pocket. And the next is guardrails of communication, right? It's how you talk to your spouse. Do you build them up or do you tear them down? And there's also guardrails of do you have a separate bank account? Do you have a private account on Facebook? You don't want to have those, right? You don't want to get off into the ditch. You want to stay on the, on the road. And it may be where the engine overheats sometimes, right? And there's a disagreement. But what you want to do in that case is safely pull over, right? Maybe scrape the guardrail a little. And maybe you need to just you know, put it on pause and say, let's talk about this later, rather than just blurting something out that may, you know, may damage the relationship. Um, and roadblocks, conflict, right? Uh, sometimes there's a detour. And the example there is just not using that to deter the relationship of moving forward, but rather use those rocks and those, those stones to build a wall around you of protection, right? So use that to edify your relationship and build each other up and protect you, draw you closer together. Uh, travel light. This is one that really hit home for me, and we'll get to that. But it's, it's what to bring and what to leave behind, right? You've gone through TSA. There are certain things that are banned. You can't bring those, right? And you see God's words clear on what you don't want to bring. But he's also clear on what you do want to bring, and we'll see that too. Uh, Taurus trap, right? This is contentment, right? You can go, the example was uh, this family would always go on a peanut butter and jelly, pack your own lunch, low-cost vacation. 
but they would be together. But uh, someone new to the family wanted to go to Spain. And then when they got to Spain, Spain wasn't enough, right? There was a, a detour or a, an event with someone that they didn't even know, um, haven't proven out. And next thing you know, they're off in this off-the-road path, and there's a snake around one of the snake charmer. They're doing all this stuff, and it's just, it was just being content with what they, they were focused on what they didn't have, not what they had. Um, and the last is turbulence, right? I think we can all agree. It's not if it will come, it will when, right? An example here, uh, really at home, obviously, because uh, grew up in the East Coast, but JFK Jr., right? Um, he was a pilot, but he wasn't qualified for, I think, night flight or instrumentation flight. So what happened there is he got into trouble where the instrument panel was saying he was upside down, but his vision and everything was saying, well, I'm looking around me and things seem to be going pretty well. But then when he ascended, he was actually descending and things didn't turn out so well. And the analogy there was that God's word is the instrument panel, right? So when you look and you see God's word says something, but when you look around and experience certain things, it may not be the way, going the way you think they're going, but like the pilot should trust in the instrument panel, we should trust in God's word. The difference there is instrument panels will get out of calibration and be wrong at sometimes, but God's word never will, right? Amen? Okay, so if we could go to the next slide. So what we're going to do is try to keep it light, um, and we're going to do Southland, the newlywed game style, right? Again, it's a marriage study, so uh, what I like to do is if we go to the next slide, invite the lovely couples up to share if they are willing to. So we have uh, Dave and Heather Prasad. If you guys want to come up and uh... <laughs> um, I think Rodney's serving, so Rodney and Diana won't be here. But we have Archester and Andrea Borders. You may know the next couple, Kenny and Lori Morgan. <laughs> we have Carl and Martha Kodrowski. And last, but certainly not least, is myself. And my wife, Debbie, is actually here today. I'm going to let her sit in the audience if you guys will extend me that grace. Uh, she'll be part of it, but uh, praise the Lord, she's here. So to kind of get us, right, so, okay. <laughs> so if you don't know, it, it's uncomfortable, right? So just, um, I applaud everyone for just sitting up here. It looks a lot different. It's very comfortable sitting in the audience. It's a little uncomfortable sitting up here. The lights are bright, right? And you, you guys can look forward if you want or whatever you need to do. So just extend them grace. I'm uncomfortable, I'm sure they are. So what we wanna do next is, again, we don't wanna make it too comical, right? We, we still wanna trust in God's word, but we'll throw up the next slide or just hit next. Okay, so here on the right, you see some, a tidbit of information, right? So as a small group, we get together every other week. Um, again, we get into God's word, we've been in this book. But on the right, you can see an attribute of the couples on the left, right? So just kind of look at that and kind of look at the couples and try to match the attribute on the right. Now, I will give you a spoiler alert. Even though Tom Brady fans is all of the, all of the, everyone on the left, all of the above, that's not the true answer. There's actually one couple that does like Tom Brady just a little bit more than others. So you probably already figured that out. But anyways, um, does everyone have their uh, answers locked in who you think might, might be who? Okay, can we just hit the next one? All right, try to just keep it simple, right? So <laughs> Dave and Heather Prasad, right, they, they spent three hours looking for their car one time, right? And I don't know, that was on a vacation in Florida, and I don't know if it was your car or the rental car, because sometimes a rental car, right, it can be hard to find because you forget what you got, but that's, uh, that sounded like an interesting thing, and we actually had a good, a good laugh at that. And we can laugh now, but at the time, I don't know that there was much laughing going around, but... Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, next, Rodney and Diana, they like to ski. As a matter of fact, they just got back from a, a trip, and Rodney sent me a video of him actually snowboarding. So not only does he ski, he snowboards. Um, and then Archester and Andrea, they've been to the Florida Keys. Uh, great area if you've ever been there. I've been lucky enough to go there once. It, it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> Kenny and Lori Morgan don't like to ski. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> The, the, the question was, have you ever tried it? No. no. <laughs> we didn't ski in my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Not even Reggie? <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and then Martha did not play linebacker. It was Carl that played linebacker. So, but I can assure you, as calm and maybe uh, his just nature is calm nature, Carl, Carl's a strong guy, but also... Um, Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, and last and certainly not least, uh, Dev, Dev grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, Tom Brady fans. But as Kenny assures me and reminds me, um, he does not play for the Patriots anymore. <laughs> so that's that. Okay, so uh, in keeping up with the theme of, uh, of the newlywed game, round one, right? So we asked the husbands, um, how, much, how would you describe the amount of baggage your spouse showed up with to your marriage, right? So we asked, um, so Dave, if I could ask you this first, right? So, you know, when you and Heather got married, Heather showed up with the amount of baggage. How much, how much baggage do you think she showed up with to your marriage? Was it A, a backpack full, B, a couple suitcases, or C, man, I don't know, I'm still unloading? <laughs> so... I need to be careful here <laughs> so I don't sleep on the couch tonight. Um, no, I, I think, man, I, I was fortunate. Uh, she didn't bring a lot of baggage into our marriage. Uh, in fact, we got married young. She was 21, and um, she loved the Lord. She was saved. We were serving together in ministry. And, uh, you know, really the only thing I can think of is I – my background was Pentecostal. She was Baptist. And so, uh, you know, doctrinally, we weren't agreed. And so, uh, you know, it's like that verse, you know, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And so that created a lot of conflict with our, us and our parents. And, you know, just looking back, I think, um, you know, it was a blessing in disguise because nine years ago, uh, the Lord brought us here to MBT, and it was just awesome to see the Lord work through that with us, and, you know, it's not an issue anymore. Let's praise the Lord. Um, can he? Uh, so what, what was the first, the first one? The first one was a backpack. Backpack. Uh, so I would say for Lori, it was a Ziploc bag, so... to get married at the time they did because I was in my late 40s and my wife was in her late 40s as well. So, uh, 
I think we both bought some baggage to the <laughs> to the marriage. Uh, probably a, a couple backpacks worth. <laughs> so, uh, and praise God, you know, through it all, you know, he's working it out, and uh, and with each day, he brings us closer together. You know, and uh, uh, I recommend uh, if anybody decides to get married, please do it while you're younger. Because <laughs> it, uh, man, it. Um, but it's it's good and God is good, you know, and uh and I thank God for what he's doing in our marriage. Um we well we were a little bit older too, not as not not quite as old as as, as our Justin. We were, I was in my what, early thirties, thirty one, thirty, something like that. Um but I, I think as as Martha's modeling she she brought her um utility belt or as fanny pack, bum bag, whatever you want to call it. She didn't have a lot of, um, uh, she didn't, certainly didn't have a lot of baggage because uh, she had a, uh, a good family background and a good church background um, at KCBC. Um, I probably brought more baggage into the, the relationship than, than she did, just having been, you know, saved for what, a couple of years um, at that point. So I still had a lot of worldly garbage to, you know, unload as you do if you get saved later in life. But um, I don't think Martha brought much with her, except the wicker furniture, but we got rid of that in a hurry. Can you just hit the next slide? Or just, yeah, so right, so we've heard from everybody, right? The truth is, we all show up with baggage, right? Everyone has baggage, whether you know it or not. Um, and this, this was an example uh, that was given in the book is a bride on her wedding day was just nervous and she didn't know, she just said, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So her father sensed that and said, I tell you what, let's just do this. Just remember these three things, right? Aisle, you're gonna walk down the aisle. Then you're gonna get to the altar, then you're going to stop. And then once you stop at the altar, the choir will sing a hymn, right? So he says, aisle, yep, altar, hymn, right? So that's what she did. So as she's, the music started playing, she walked down the aisle, and she's saying, aisle, altar, hymn, aisle, altar, hymn. And that's how she went into her marriage, right? I'll alter him, right? I'm going to change him, right? So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was in the book, so, but um bum but yeah, but again, right, getting back to the relationship and the study, right, we read in God's word in Colossians 3.18 and 3.19, right? Women expect to change men, right? And men go in expecting women not to change, right? And so again, we want to use God's word to love the, love the spouse for who they are, not try to change them, right? Everyone has baggage. It's unconditional love, right? No couple has ever arrived. Good marriages don't happen. They take work. Right, and that includes accepting the baggage that comes with it, right, and working through that. Okay, painless, right? <laughs> okay, uh, can we get the next question? So round two, uh, this is for the wives to answer. Okay, we asked your husband, the thing I love most about my spouse is, right, so um, Martha, could I ask you? Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Lori, Lori, let, let me start with you. I'm sorry, we'll start, I'll kind of go work our way this way. Sorry about that. Uh, so, Lori, we asked Kenny how he would answer this. The thing Lori loves most about me is what? Where did I start? Um, there are a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, not only does he make the bed now every morning, or with, either with me or by himself, he brings me a cup of coffee every single morning. Um, but I think the most thing 
that I, I love is that he pursues me um, consistently. Just, he is always wanting to just hang out. Let's get coffee and go sit on the porch if it's nice. Let's go for a drive and talk. Um, he's always just after trying to spend time together. Um, and sometimes we just have to go and escape somewhere because the kids are there. And so, um, it, so I love it. I, even if there's times where, man, we need to work through something. If it was left to me, we wouldn't work through anything. I would just shove it under the rug and let's pretend like it didn't happen. And he's always just, man, let's talk this out. Let's, let's get this worked out. And so praise the Lord for that. Physically or spiritually, I know. <laughs> Physically, I know he would say, um, I love the salt and pepper. And I hate when he tries to change that. And um, the muscles. <laughs> and no, but um, he is the kindest um, person I've ever known and gentle. And um, but at the same time, he can just lead with a, a strong hand. Um, just, yeah, his leadership role of our family has just been an amazing blessing that I didn't expect. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to answer it the same way everybody else is. Um, so what happens in state Southland usually stays in Southland, but I'm going to say something that's... <laughs> So in our group, when we discussed this, the first thing I thought of was his biker buns. So, <laughs> so please don't be offended. And, and ladies, you're not allowed to look. That's only for me. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all I mean is because he cycles probably a couple hundred miles a week, so he's very safe. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but on the... On the more spiritual side, uh, I like, he always has the saying, always look on the bright side of life. And when I've struggled to keep a positive attitude and just see the good in things, he's always sang that song or <laughs> done that quote to, hey, let's look at it the right way and, and change our perspective. So. You know, this is um, kind of a tough one for me because it kind of goes back to the previous question about what kind of baggage I brought into the relationship. And, you know, my husband was really kind because um, what he didn't tell you is that um, I was a mess. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't a mess on the outside in the most obvious way, but I was a real mess. Um, and, you know, you only see that later in your journey after you've been coming to church and learning the word and having really great examples set for you um, on what a godly woman is or what a um, Christ-focused marriage is about. And, um, you know, my husband, because of him, um, God used him to save my eternal life. And I was hell-bound. There was no doubt in my mind.
saved me. Um, actually, he didn't save me, but I think you know what I mean by that. Um, he was willing to reach down to somebody who, um, you know, because I had had 20 years of training of a really um, not not having God in my life at all. And you know what what the devil won't do to you in that type of a long-term relationship, you'll be glad to do to yourself eventually. You know, it's just unhealthy. And, um, you know, he, he was really patient with me, and I'm grateful for that. And he led me here, and um, he supported me, and he was patient. You know, sometimes I'm not as patient with him. Um, I had a really high expectation because I trusted him, um, you know, and uh, I think I've had to separate Christ from seeing my seeing Christ in my husband. Um, so I'm thankful for I'm thankful for that. You know, that's that's the biggest thing that anyone could ever do for you um, in a marriage. And I'm you know I think he's incredible and handsome and I'm really I'm really blessed to have a man that that is so beautiful in my sight. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you didn't get a flavor, this the week that we covered this chapter, um, it, the husbands and wives got to share what they love about each other. And not that there's any one time that's better than the other, but this one was particularly sweet of just being it just not only being able to exchange that with your spouse leading up to the actual gathering on that Thursday night, but then to hear things like, you know, Andre and Archester's love for each other and love for Christ, right? We're completing Christ. Uh, to hear just the love that, you know, in today's world, it's always what you do wrong and what you don't do rather than focus on, you know, what you do have, right? And uh, it was just particularly sweet, right? So what we just want to remember is you don't compare your husband to other men. And likewise, what you love about her and not everything she does wrong, right? Husbands love your wives, right? All right, thanks for sharing. That's great. If we'll go on to the next round. So round three. Um, okay, we'll go back to the gentlemen or the, the, the husbands. Uh, we asked your wife, my idea of a perfect date night would be what? So uh, Carl, we'll just kind of keep going down here. So Carl, we'll start with you. We asked Martha what her perfect idea of a date night would be. Um, what do you think? Oh, this is an easy one. <laughs> I asked Martha what her perfect date was going to be. Um, and actually, we, we, did, we actually talked about this question last night um, for just a, a few minutes. But um, I, after that conversation and then having a little bit of time to think about it, um, some things are, are easy to know about your wife. So, I mean, dinner, I think we didn't even talk about dinner, but dinner's easy. Dinner's a steak with a side of beef, right? That's, that's Martha. <laughs> right? Side of beef. Beef fries, some mashed beef, some whatever. And, and it's, whatever. Um, so th that part's easy, but then there are some other things where you, you, you think you might know, and then so I've made a guess, and obviously wrong. I was close, sort of. Um, but it, it just kind of reminds me that we're, we're as well according to knowledge, and it doesn't mean that we have to, you, you don't get that um, by osmosis. You, you get that by you know communicating. Um, so you know, asking her, usually getting out of her what she wants to do is hard. She's like, what do you want to eat? It's like that's everybody's conversation, and we always have, I don't know, for dinner. Um, because all anybody will ever say. But her, um, her favorite date after, the, after dinner, obviously, would be um, either a play or a symphony, but preferably a play based on 
history because she's a big history buff. Uh, and musicals. See? <laughs> no way. Right. So my guess was kind of close because I guessed kind of the history part because she's a big history nut. But um, I didn't guess the musical. I, maybe that was just wishful thinking on my part. Our favorite date night is uh, before they closed downtown Independence Town, we would go up to the square up there and just walk around and hang out. And they had a movie theater up there that we would go to. So our favorite date night probably was just, just hanging out up there and spending time together because our schedules are so far off and our timing is off. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Just, just finding time to spend together and hang out. Uh, so for us, uh, she likes Japanese steakhouse. So, you know, something simple, dinner, movie, um, affection. So like holding hands and which I really have to work at because I just suck at it, you know, and, and so, <laughs> um, and then probably, you know, make sure my phone's away, uh, not checking the scores and. <laughs> you know, if, if there's a TV, if we go to a restaurant, there's a TV, you know, I make sure I'm not facing the TV because I'll spend the whole. <laughs> there's no TV at Japanese Steakhouse. Yes. So she said there's no TVs at Japanese Steakhouse. So <laughs> that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say good music. On the on the in the car while we're driving, really good music. Uh, I have to be lighthearted. I have to really work at that one. Uh, I can I can be serious all the time, and always up for serious discussion, right? But uh, so just lighthearted, loose, and funny. Uh, Mexican food, Tex-Mex. She really likes that, and uh, just saying sweet things to her. So David said something that it was one of the one of the it was a very painful lesson for me, but I, I think I learned it nonetheless. But we were on a date one night and and my phone rang and it was a ministry call and I took it. And I we had had that discussion that date night is date night and ministry is we I, I put that aside and I took a call and it wasn't a pleasant call. It was a difficult thing and and I'm on the phone and driving and talking and it's fifteen minutes and and when I got off the phone, I could just see that life had left her. Like the, the date night was, it was over and I was trying to recover and apologize, but it's, uh, it's ultimately, I need to, I have to be very attentive to her uh, in that space and no one else exists as far as I'm concerned during that time. So I had to learn that the hard way. Yeah. All right, can we hit that? Yeah, so just to kind of summarize, right, we started to, our wives to know them, I think it was Carl, right? Dwell with them according to the knowledge, right? We as men have our own ideas and perceptions, right? This goes to the foreign currency, right? Exchanging it, right? We might spend or expend a lot of energy doing what we think is right, what we think they might like, uh, but in fact, it's, it's nothing, it's way off target, right? And sometimes it's just a simple things of, you know, not looking at the TV, just dedicating the time and things like that. So we wanna just make sure that we're expending energy, converting that currency into our spouse's currency so it's meaningful for them. And I think the, the example in the book was uh, the family, or the husband and wife had 
company coming over. And so there was, you know, food to be made, the house to be clean. And the husband thought, well, this is a great time to alphabetically organize the spices in the, in the pantry, which sounds like a great idea, right? But it wasn't helping the wife, so that didn't go over too well. He learned his lesson. But nonetheless, right, it's that currency conversion. We might think we're doing the right thing, but it's completely the opposite of, of what our spouse actually needs and wants. Okay, we'll hit the next one in round four. Um, okay, this is for packing, right? So of all the items my husband took out of his baggage, I am most thankful for. Um, so actually, I, I can start because I think uh, I haven't shared yet, but uh, what I would say, uh, so I think it's the husbands, right, So or the wives. What, what item are you most thankful for that your husband took out of the baggage? And I would say, um, I would probably say two. I'd say anger and short fuse. Uh, one of the things that it was a sobering lesson was that I tend to be a packer. And it's not big items, it's a small item that might aggravate me at work, might aggravate me on the road or something, but I put it in the bottom of the suitcase, right, below, you know, on, below that zipper, wherever it is, you know, with a clips that nobody looks at, and I just put it there, and then the next day I put it there, and then all of a sudden Deb would come to me and with something small that would just aggravate me, right? And next thing you know, that's like the 40, you know, now that suitcase, unbeknownst to me, is 49.9 pounds, right? And it's about to be 50 and oversized, and I'm going to have to pay for it, right? And that's what would happen. But unfortunately, I wouldn't pay for it. Deb would pay for it because she would ask me something or say something that would bother me, and that's the one piece that goes in that all of a sudden explodes, and I take it out on her. So what I've learned to do is rather than take that item that aggravates me and just stuff it in the suitcase and not address it, is just to address it, right? Bring it to light and say, hey, th this bothered me and here's why, let's talk about it, but then we give it to God and don't pack it in the suitcase, right? That was the, the traveling light part. Um, I'm not sure how we're doing on time. I think we're good, so um, maybe we could just, who, Archester? Uh, I mean, excuse me, Andrea. Yeah, so I guess what item, sorry, I got um, of all the items that you're glad Archester no longer packs in the suitcase, uh, what would you say that is? Um, you know, like, like Archester said, we met later in life. And, um, you know, Archester, because of his testimony, which is separate from this, um, you know, he spent a lot of time in solo mode, you know, where he depended on the Lord and himself and, you know, was just very much, uh, it was you know, he was single. And so with that, you know, you've had 40 some years of just thinking for yourself. And when, when you get a wife, it's like, okay, now I'm going to do this. And, you know, I'm going to set her safely over here. So, you know, I'm watching him unpack the fact that, you know, w we can walk together. You know, he wants to protect me and love me and secure me and um, lead me. But you know, doing it, being a team, you know, because um, it does get dangerous when you do things on a solo level. You know, it's, it, I think it's just putting your lives together as one in a, in a more physical, obvious way, you know. Okay, um, <clears throat> so I, I would say, as strange as it may see, my mom. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know I, I grew up, now this was 19 years ago, um, but at, at the beginning of our marriage, I 
went to my mom for everything, you know, advice or, and, you know, in fact, uh, even like our furniture, our first, one of our first uh, big purchase was uh, a couch and a loveseat. And so we ended up with my mom's input, purchasing the exact same piece of fur furniture, same color, same brand. Um, and so every time we sat on it, you know, we, we were reminded of my mom, so. <laughs> so let's just say we didn't keep that furniture very long. Um, but, you know, I mean, of course it's disastrous. You know, it's a whole leaving and cleaving. You know, I needed to cleave to her, and so that was, uh, you know, something that I, you know, I had to pray about and, and just politely tell my mom, you know, this is between me and her. So this is kind of a hard question, I think, but um, since he grew up in a broken home and his biological dad, who d eventually did get saved, but he didn't really have any influence in his life growing up, and then his stepdad, neither of them were good influences at all. And so I appreciated that his perspective is that he didn't use that ever as an excuse you know, he didn't say, well, look how I grew up, and, you know, of course I couldn't do this right because they, whatever, he always was determined that, you know, I'm going to use them as that's what how I don't want to be instead of how I want to be. Um, anyway, I just think it's easy in any relationship to use, well, find any kind of excuse to justify how we respond or, or anything, and and really we can't do that. So we just need to be surrendered to God. And Anyway, so I appreciate that he didn't use that as an excuse for anything. So I, I'll, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it, marriage is, uh, it, it really is, is, it's two becoming one, and, 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 you know, the, I've always believed that the hardest part about marriage is me, you know, it really is, and yes, amen, exactly, <laughs> yeah, she's, 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 uh, she's a good student, good student, but, you know, I remember early in our marriage, I remember saying to her in, in a not so pleasant way, I'm not your father and I will never be your father, so don't ever expect me to be your father, okay? So my father-in-law, he's a very light-hearted guy, right? He's, there's always, it's, he's the life of the party. There's, you know, I, I can probably count on one hand over almost 20 years now the times that I've seen him serious. And so I felt earlier in marriage that that was her expectation of me that I was just going to be a comedian, right, and walk around and everything. It's just, again, I'm a very serious guy, you know. And so it, the reality was it, was it was both of us. You know, she did need to learn 
that, yeah, he is not my father, and that's an unrealistic expectation. But I had to learn that, wait a minute, you know what? My wife does really well when I am loose, and I am lighthearted, and I am funny. That ministers to her. That encourages her. She enjoys our home. She enjoys me when I'm that way. You know, and there are times where we, we have our times where it's very serious and we're having meetings and discussions where we're talking about parenting and talking about the budget. And we have those times and or we're working through an issue. But but even over the years, what what's happened is, is we, we've even addressed conflict uh, in a comical way to just diffuse it. Because it's, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. We, we can make a joke about this. You know, have it your way, Burger King, you win, I lose, kind of thing. And we just laugh about it, and it's over, you know. And so uh, I, I, I want to believe that I, I have, I've, I've put away the all business, all serious, all the time. I, I think I have, so, yeah. Can we hit the next? So, yeah, so that was uh, the travel light, if you remember from the summary slide, right? It is forgiveness, right, in particular for me, right? Don't stuff things in the bottom of the luggage. They might be out of sight, but they're still an issue, right? Not, address, not addressing an issue can be a problem, right? Just letting it go may be one thing, but that will build up. And one thing that's key, I think, is, uh, I think even it was part of the message last week, is agree to attack the problem, not the person, right? And when you separate that, then all of a sudden you team up as husband and wife to attack the problem and separate yourselves from that. And we talked about banned items, right? In Ephesians 4.31, banned items are bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice, right? Those are, those are TSA, but those are God's items. He doesn't want those in our marriage. Likewise, what we do want to pack is kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness, right? Again, we as sinners, two sinners together in a marriage, uh, the world's going to tell us one thing, but again, we always want to go back to God's instrument panel, God's word, uh, and let him guide our lives. Okay, last but not least, the bonus round, right? So this is kind of open to all couples. Um, so what is the biggest thing you would say you got out of this marriage study so far? And just a summary, is it's 12 chapters. We're 9 through 12, so there's still a ways to go. But up, up through now, uh, what would each couple say the biggest thing they got out of this marriage study is? Uh, maybe we'll start with uh, Dave and Heather. Uh, I mean, it, it was all good, you know, it, it's, you know, I think the biggest thing, um, you know, just at the end of the chapter, you have these questions, and um, and it really forced us to think and, you know, work through some things, um, you know, and, and see how we've progressed over the years, you know, so like when we first got married 19 years ago, um, how we handled things and the mistakes we made and how we handle it today. You know, we've matured a little bit. Well, she, she has, but, um, you know, and, and there's just a lot of nuggets, you know, each chapter, you know, it's, uh, you know, one that Rich mentioned was the uh, currency. You know, that really stuck with me. So, like, you know, if you, uh, you go to Mexico, from the U.S., you have to convert that, um, and so you know, for me, it's or for us, it's you know, how do I convert uh, my love for her in a way that she can receive it, not the way I think that she needs it, and then vice versa. You know, how does she respect me 
the way that I need it rather than the, what, what she thinks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, there's, you know, I can go on and on, but I think, you know, that stuck out with me. So what did you want me to say? <laughs> what do I think? Um, I think the, um, the, the biggest thing that I got, and I think we probably both got um, going through the book, is we were, we've been married a long, I can never remember a long time, but it's been a while, 20-some-odd um, years, something like that. Um, and I think we've gotten to the point in our marriage where we're kind of like coasting along and not actually putting work into the relationship. Like, that was me, not her. Um, and I, this, um, just going through this book uh, made it, as we got through like the first few chapters, we would just like read it and then, then show up. We wouldn't, ever, we wouldn't talk about it and everybody else would, right? So it was kind of obvious, you know, which, which guy wasn't, you know, prepared when he showed up because we hadn't actually talked about the chapter beforehand. Um, but when we started doing that, then we started getting, we said, oh, it was kind of like one of those realizations that is obvious, but, you know, marriage just doesn't happen. You have to put some work into it. It has to be intentional. It's just like everything else. Um, you have to be intentional about doing the right things because if you just kind of coast along, all you'll do is just the things that your flesh wants to do. So that was like one of the biggest realizations uh, for me, and I think for us, is that when we started talking about the chapters before, you know, each week uh, or each, you know, every other week before we met, then we started, you know, learning a lot of more things about each other, and, and I think some aspects of our marriage got better. You know, we, um, that, that was a bit more of an eye-opener than I thought it was going to be. Um, so that was probably the biggest, yeah, I know I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> that was kind of the, the biggest this realization is, is like it, it's just so easy to get lackadaisical about your relationships, especially in your marriage when you've been married a while. Um, and not putting that intentional work into, you know, the whole currency exchange thing and actually just having meaningful discussions with your wife about something other than the kids in the budget or whatever um, is, is required to have a, a, a good, healthy marriage. Did I forget anything? <laughs> I don't know. No? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Did you want that? Yeah. Um, is this all wrapped up? I was just going to say, I think the biggest thing we, I learned was that we're not there yet. <laughs> and sometimes you think, man, yeah, everything is great and it's going good. And then you start, you know, looking at God's word and talking about things. And um, it was just so great to get together. And it's like we're forced to talk about our marriages. And, and so, you know, we don't have it all together. Not everybody does. And then you're holding each other accountable. And it's just been sweet. And, um, I think Ephesians 4, when you talk about what to put off and then what to put on, like both of us are, um, I think we're intentional about, man, let's get rid of bitterness. Let's get rid of anger, but let's put on kindness. How can I say this better that, you know, it's not going to seem disrespectful to you? And and let's, let's get to forgiveness a lot quicker. Um, so we've just been intentional about it and then just yeah, just the, the friendship of, of being together with church family and um, and talking through those things has been amazing because uh, amen to everything Carl said, it, it takes work. And so you think that, 
you've just, you've never arrived. And so we just, we're always wanting to work on our relationship together and our marriage. And even before the kids are out of the house, we want to still, we want to work on it even now. And um, it's been sweet. Yeah, I know the word intentional has been thrown around quite a bit, but this book, it uh, brings intentionality out in our marriages. Um, uh, and that's, that's, very well needed. I don't want to end up like my parents where my mother slept downstairs in the bed and my father slept upstairs in the bed. Uh, I want to continue to love my wife as Christ uh, has called me to and, uh, and be the, the, the guiding light for. And what, what kind of struck me in, the, in, the, in this book so far is uh, the chapter that speaks about turbulence because as she mentioned that she, she was, she, uh, was in a in a 20-year marriage it wasn't good and i was used to being single so don't uh neither one of us knew how to how to handle turbulence very well whenever we had a situation come up she was used to kind of running off and and i i uh i get real quiet and internalize things before you know it time has gone on with me bitterness has occurred inside and and the issues never resolve you know in the end like uh, Brother Rich was saying, you know, we'll study packing stuff in our luggage, and when things uh, when things come to a head again, we explode and and nothing gets resolved again. So, uh, you know, that turbulence it hit it hit home with me, and uh, it's teaching me how to how to lean in with my wife, and we we trust in Christ during this time of turbulence instead of trusting in our emotions or our own thought process or things like that. You know, we need to really lean in whenever a, a situation arrive and okay let's let's attack the problem through Christ instead of attacking each other so that's been a real focal point for me okay, okay. Did you remembered what I forgot no <laughs> that is not true um just one other thing I was thinking about and we did talk about this last night was it's easy to use other couples as your barometer for your marriage. And we have family members who have awful, awful, awful marriages. So it's like, well, we're not so bad because when you look at them, wow, we're great, you know? Um, but when you go through a book like this, and I, um, I say the workbook is, is a must um, because it forces you, again, to communicate and to work through things. And in the book, it even talks about how you can avoid um, little things, but if you consistently sweep little things under the carpet, well, pretty soon, it's a mountain. Um, so I, I appreciated that it kind of forced us to work through all the little things and, and, and look at the Word of God as our barometer instead of other people. Um, oh, and can I say one funny thing? Okay. Since Rodney's not here, we're going to throw him under the bus. Uh, his favorite chapter was chapter 7, so you, you can... That's why he's not here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a weird night. It's like, Rodney really liked chapter 7. To everything uh, people said here. I think that the two biggest takeaways for us is, is what you heard, right? Uh, we talked about, right, it's husband and wife talking, right? There's a lot of things that are pulling for our time. 
and just being intentional about setting aside time to walk through, to talk through, to discuss things, to get them out in the open. And, and for us, the biggest thing, was, it was the turbulence. It was a pointed question. You might have to help me out, Pastor, with the statistics. But it was, it, the question was, what time do you pray together? And it wasn't a, it was a, what time, right? It, there, was, there was supposed to be a definitive answer. And some of us were challenged to put down the time that we do pray together and help me. The statistics are, is it 50% of first marriages end in divorce, 78% of second marriages end in divorce, but less than 1% of marriages that pray together end in divorce. So do the math, right? It's, and again, I'm not advocating the book. I am advocating God's book, right? God's word. Sit down, spend your quiet time as individuals, but spend time praying together as couples. Um, it's done it's done wonders for us, but not for our glory, but for God's glory, right? Everything you say, see here is just God, you know, people sitting at God's feet as individuals, as couples. Um, and before I pray us out, I'd just like to thank everybody on the panel for being courageous, even though, right, it's better to be obedient and uncomfortable than disobedient and comfortable. So I appreciate you stepping out. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't know, please. Um, I think it really stood out to me and convicted me. Um, there was a part just when they've been speaking about pursuing your spouse. Um, I think that not even realizing it, once like we were dating and I'm pursuing and I'm trying, and then we got married and then I checked the box. And I'm like, all right, I got him. And then <laughs> parenting came. And so now, and we keep having children so far apart so we keep starting over so it's always about the kids and so I just understand that we're a team and we're in this together and then there was a part in the book that was like um, have you asked your spouse how you could help them how you could pray for them um, how yeah yeah so like how how can you um, yeah yeah how can I serve you and I'm like oh, I hadn't even considered that in I mean, I think I just take him for granted, and I just know he's there, and he's strong, and he loves the Lord. And so I just kind of sit back and just do the mom thing, and then I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't, like, pursued you. Like, it's an afterthought. And so that just really brought it to my attention that, um, you know, that relationship needs to come first, and then it makes everything else fall into place like it should, and I'm not as overwhelmed, and both of us, like, he's blessed by that when I acknowledge that he's around. So... <laughs> Any last-minute shares from yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, please. I just want to say praise the Lord for you. No, no, and uh, Rich it leads Southland and, and is doing a phenomenal job, as you are seeing today. And I'm, we're thankful that I, we get to just show up, and, and you're driving. So fantastic job. Yeah. So. Opportunity. And, again, it's just God's glory, right? In the, in the flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, give glory and honor to God. He allows us to gather together with everything going on. Praise the Lord. There's this many people uh, sitting around just waiting to hear from the Lord. So uh, with, yeah, I'm sorry, Tony. A non-COVID mic? Oh, okay. My parents um, argued a lot, but they stayed married their whole lives, and they were not saved, 
Uh, I wasn't saved when I got married, but I got saved six years later. And since that time, my wife and I, we've been married 51 years. And um, I really think what, what I learned from my mom and dad, even though they were unsaved, they said, we never go to bed mad at one another, never. And Sherry and I have done that, and it's, it's just been wonderful. And uh, I recommend that to everybody. No matter how angry you get with one another, never go to bed angry with each other. Right, and I think God says it best, right? Thank you for sharing, first of all, right? Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon thy wrath. Neither give place to the devil, right? So again, just a great example. Thanks for sharing. Um, I think we're, we're short on time. We want to be uh, sensitive to the Kaya folks, so I'll close this in prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll head out. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the book that you allowed us to gather and look over and that it was based on your word. And the brothers and sisters have been faithful to follow up and look at your word, not just what was quoted in the book, but, uh, Lord, your word to see and, and prove it that that is, that is what you want for the will of our lives. Lord, thank you for making us uncomfortable. Lord, it, it, it's never as bad. It looks bad at first, but then just, uh, just being able to share our lives and share uh, just the fruit and the beauty of Southland and all the other Bible studies, Lord. I, I pray that this was, was edifying to others, Lord. And, and I think Lori said it best, right? We're not there yet. We'll never be there, Lord, uh, until we're with you, Lord, in heaven. Um, Lord, and if there's any here that aren't saved, Lord, we just pray that you convict them. And um, if there are any questions, Lord, they just grab a, um, an elder brother or sister and just, and just talk and not leave here unsaved. Uh, Lord, again, we thank you for this opportunity to share our lives and what we've been doing as a small group. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.